What is up, everyone? It's been a while since I recorded an episode, and I'm glad to be back. It's a got a, we got a special guest, and first things first, you're listening to the Air Raid Attack podcast, and we are in the month of November. Yes, that means uh, Turkey, Black Friday sales, and guess what? Christmas is just right on the corner, not to kind of give you guys a Debbie Downer, but uh, Christmas is right around the corner. But nonetheless, glad to be back on. First things first, I have a great guest, a guy that I'm excited to learn more from and to learn uh, to learn more of. And uh, first things first, he's the author, the author of a, his new first book, actually, titled Prepared, The Guide to a Successful Collegiate Experience for Athlete and Parents, and definitely uh, going to pick his mind on that one. He is the former University of Kentucky and Eastern Illinois quarterback, Mr. Jalen Whitlow. Jalen, welcome to the Air Attack Podcast, and I'm stoked to have you on. Man, glad to be on, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's uh, it's an honor to have you on. Of course, uh, we were hoping, you know, shooting for last week, but in circumstances kind of kicked in. But nonetheless, I'm uh, ecstatic to have you on, and First things first, uh, kind of tell the listeners out there a little about yourself and and what Mr. Whitlow is all about. Yeah, man. So, uh, born and raised in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, you know, grew up in a pretty big family, man. Uh, so, um, you know, dad was a, co- was a football coach and basketball coach growing up. So, uh, grew up in a coach's household. Uh, my mom was actually a cheerleading coach earlier. Uh in my sister's cheerleading days and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, pretty much everybody were athletes at some point. Uh, all of the boys played, you know, football, basketball, baseball. Uh, so, you know, busy athletic sports family. Um, got a chance to play some good high school football uh, at Prattville High School. So I left Montgomery, moved to Prattville, uh, you know, around March of my sophomore year. Um, I was at Jeff Davis in Montgomery, ended up going to Prattville High School, played for, you know, a pretty well-known high school football coach, Jamie DeBose, mm. who's at Lowndes in Georgia right now. Uh, they're doing well. They just won a region championship. Uh, so, you know, and even all the other coaches on the staff, you know, great coaching staff, man, I was really lucky. Uh, we had 150 guys on the team, and we all 150 guys were lucky to play for those coaches because we actually learned a lot, got, you know, experienced a lot of things, got a chance to fly to Miami and play games and play on ESPN and, you know, the whole nine. So it was about as best as you can get as far as, you know, high school football. Uh, Won a state championship senior year. Um, You know, my senior class, we signed 30 guys, 30 guys, you know, signed scholarships to go play college ball. So that was a big deal. I think the biggest ever in school history, Uh, you know, said coaches helped us get recruited. so with that, I was able to go to University of Kentucky out of high school, um, you know, played there as a freshman. You know, I actually came in. I was probably about fourth on the depth chart. You know, some things happened, things transpired, uh, and found myself, you know, being a starter for about, you know, eight, seven, eight games. Uh, so I played at Kentucky freshman and sophomore year, ended up transferring after my sophomore year to East Illinois University. Uh, super small town, super small D1 school in Charleston, Illinois. But I was, you know, it was actually super fun too, though, man. I, I met some of my best friends, met, uh, you know, had a chance to get coached by some good coaches, learned a lot of football, uh, actually coached there one year after I was done playing and finishing my degree. So, 
was great. Couldn't, you know, couldn't complain. Great experience, man. Uh, played in some good games. Played Minnesota, played Northwestern, played in some big games, played for uh, played for a conference championship. Uh, unfortunately, didn't win it, but got a chance to play for it. End up playing a team, Jacksonville State. You end up playing in the national championship game and losing to North Dakota State with Carson Wentz and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, man, got a chance to make a lot of connections, man. Make a, you know, that's kind of what my book about, too. Uh, ran into a lot of people throughout my college experience and learned a lot. Um, and, 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 you know, it's definitely, um, uh, I'm definitely uh, thankful and grateful for my college experience and what happened and what transpired so far throughout my life and kind of what the sport of football has, you know, afforded me uh, and afforded, you know, a lot of my friends who played and even for my friends who didn't play in college that played high school ball. So uh, lucky to play a great game, coach a great game, still coaching it. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what I'm about, man, is teaching, uh, is teaching the game coaching the game and, uh, and and hopefully, you know, players that I'm coming in contact with, hopefully they're taking things that they can learn in life um, through what I'm teaching throughout, you know, through the sport of football. So that's kind of what I'm about. Uh, definitely, you know, about some other things as well, but just for, you know, what we're doing today, that's, that's what it is, man. Hey, very nice. And, and kind of pick your brain. Well, first off, were you there? Cause I know Mark Stoops has been there a while. Um, was he there when he when you were at UK, or was he after your your tenure there? Right. So Coach Stoops, uh, Coach Stoops came came in January of my freshman year. So I played. I went through a spring with Coach, and I went through uh, a season with uh, Coach Stoops as the head coach. Got a lot of respect for the guy, man. Coach, is, he's a great coach. Obviously, you can see that he's turned he's turned around a program that's. You know, typically a one SEC win a year, maybe two luck, you know, a lucky year three, just being honest. Now, you know, they beat Florida, beat LSU, uh, you know, playing good ball, beat Missouri, you know, just playing good football, man, playing good physical football. Got some great coaches in there. Great strength staff. One of the best and underrated, most underrated strength staffs in the country probably uh, from the guys that I know on that staff. Uh, learned a lot and actually teaching, you know, some of the stuff that I, you know, was taught from them. I'm still teaching it to people now. So, um, but yeah, so Coach Deuce was there. Uh, he came in. I remember the day, he, you know, his introductory speech. Um, you know, we all went to the field house, another field house, shook his hand and whatnot. Got a chance to see him. Um, and, you know, it was the beginning of something that eventually was going to develop into something, something pretty good. So yeah, you've seen that, you know, the past four or five years, how he's you know, kind of changed that program around. But a lot of respect for Coach. Um, you know, I can't, can't say enough good things about him. <clears throat> of course, you know, all the listeners out there, of course, people are like, well, you're going to bring up Bob. And not so much going to be bring up Bob, but is he as fight? I know Mike Stoops is a little feisty. Um, behind the scenes, of course, you know, I, I am a huge fan of Mark Stoops. And really, I think what he's done a phenomenal job at Kentucky. Um, just in general, I think you know you spoke words of that as well. Is he has fight? Or is he how is he how is he behind the scenes? Is he is he feisty? Or is he more just laid back? But at the, at the end of the day, he wants your guys to do your job and try to perform at the highest level as much as possible. Yeah, I think he's both, man. He's two. He's both of the extremes. You know, I've had some terrible plays as a quarterback at Kentucky, and he was <laughs> right. super calm, level headed. Uh, but we've seen him at practice too, and I'm. 
people know, you know, people see on TV how he get at those referees uh, sometimes. Right. But, you know, he, he definitely, you know, he's he, he has both extremes. He's on, you know, both sides of the of the spectrum. Um, but he's – one thing I can say, the players love him. I, I admit one football player that didn't like Coach Stoops. Um, they respect him first because he's an honest guy. So that's good. But, yeah, I mean, I think you get out of him what you – uh, what you deserve, you know, he, he's super feisty, super tough, you know, from Youngstown, Ohio, everybody I met from Youngstown, Ohio got a rough edge to him. Um, so, you know, it was good, man. You know, I think he, you know, he, he, his style of coaching was needed uh, at Kentucky. He's a player's coach first. So, you know, he, he, he wants, he knows what the players want and he, he strives to give it to him as far as just the experience. And he's also a great exit and nose coach on defense, um, you know, and he's a great program runner, right? He's a great CEO, director of a program, as you're seeing that now. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's kind of both, man. Uh, we've seen, you know, the red, fiery Coach Stoops at practice, and we've seen, you know, we've seen the, uh, the laid back, you know, when things are going like they need to go, practice is going like it needs to go. He's 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 laid back and he's letting you know his coaches coach and do their thing. So, um, you know he 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 got both sides, man. Yeah, that's really cool. And you know, I'm not going to talk too much about him, but um, but no, that's really cool. And you know, if people don't realize, uh, and my next question, I guess, and kind of kind of interesting <clears throat> to kind of see what you say is coming into a university that's in. And for, you know, not, I shouldn't say fortunately, uh, unfortunately, but fortunately, it's a basketball school primarily. And we all know that with Kentucky. But coming into a program, um, trying to get the fans to rally behind the football team, did it affect any of you guys really? Like, or is it just face, like, you know, or just the facts of life knowing it's a football or I am, excuse me, basketball program that, uh, and we're just here to play and get the great support? Because obviously, Big Blue Nation, you know, they love their sports regardless in Lexington. And uh, I was kind of curious if if that was really, you know, because everybody likes to showcase like all oh, the fan base really isn't behind their back because it's a basketball school, just like, you know, Kansas or whatever, Duke. But uh, did that affect you guys any at all or not really? Well, I came in in, you know, early June of 2012 and, I you know, coming fresh off of national championship right. in basketball. So, um it definitely was a basketball school, you know. That's just that's just the honest truth. Anybody tell you anything different in that time, you know, they'll you know probably be lying to you. So that was that's the truth, you know. Coming in, it's just the it was a basketball school, uh, but I did see a I saw an immediate switch, an excitement boost when Coach Stoops got there. Um, you know, a lot changed. Uh, I just think his background from Bob Stoops, Mike Stoops, is even his dad. People know his dad, you know, a great high school coach um, in the state of Ohio. So, you know, it definitely brought a, a boost. But, yeah, man, to answer your question, yes, 110%. It was a basketball school uh, when I, when we got there. But now, you know, it, it's kind of – it's changing, man. It's, it's it like – it's, it's still a basketball school. I mean, at the end of the day. Right. Exactly. But football is like – football is is is, is – it's a football school too, you know. It's, it's it's catching up, and and people don't realize Kentucky is like really good in other sports too. Like Kentucky is like extremely good in volleyball. They just won a national championship in volleyball. Uh, the baseball team is usually pretty solid. 
Um, softball team was usually pretty solid. Uh, rifle team winning national championship. So, um, but we all know Kentucky. I mean, you ask, you just, you know, roll the dice, just ask the random person in a supermarket. Yeah, they, you know, they hear about Kentucky they basketball. Very nice. And uh, I've driven through Lexington, never actually stayed or, or visited, but definitely driven through Lexington. But uh, transition from Lexington to Eastern Illinois, um, obviously smaller university. How was the feel of it um, practically? I, mean, I don't know much about Eastern. Oh, I know the wonderful football program. Don't know much about the city, but in town. But um, is it more of a cultural shock? How much of a huge difference? Um, uh, what I'm looking for here: um, numbers of. Uh, I'm looking for numbers. Um, population. There we go. Yeah. I'm think of it. Is it yeah, smaller that- population? And and what was what was the difference between Lexington and, and Eastern Illinois? Yeah, I mean, it was it's a stark difference, man. It's a stark change, you know. So, Charleston, Illinois, is about with the students there. And to be honest with you, when I when I was at Eastern, when I got there, we had around nine thousand kids. When I left there, we probably had a little over seven thousand. Wow. So it was a the school was diminishing pretty fast. Now I heard it's growing. Uh, so. Um, Small school, super small town. I would I would say maybe fifteen thousand people. Um, you know the population in that town. So very 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 big difference. And and just from what I've grown up to know, what I you know when I went to Kentucky, it was just different, man. It was a different place. I remember driving there. Um, I was driving. My dad was asleep. He woke up and he like, you know, woke up like, man, why you got me on? You know, he was like joking. Why you got me on? No, nah, it was, it was, yeah, man. It, it's in the middle of nowhere, man. But I can't say enough good things about the school though. Like I, you know, the people were super cool. I met some, you know, my teammates were great. Eastern was probably the closest team I've ever been on. Probably awesome. if I had to say, you know, it probably rivaled my, you know, high school team. But Eastern, Eastern, definitely in college, um, definitely 100 percent in college. My junior year at Eastern was probably the closest team I've ever been on. That's awesome. You know, it was just, you know, I think Dino Babers left a great culture there. And the way those guys, you know, they were winning. So that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, my senior year, we went to the playoffs. So that's that stuff helps. But it was just a good group of guys, good culture, like, you know, Guys, you know, uh, you always got your kind of subgroups, okay. right? people who, you know, just hang out with people. You know, we naturally got a, um, you know, a certain affinity towards certain people, right? Just just how humans work, I guess. But the team was super close. Uh, the town was a super close town. You could just tell it was one of those places when you get there. Like, it's a super small, you know, you know, I never heard anything about Eastern Illinois until – I got a call from uh, Coach Kim Dammer, uh when I was in my apartment at Kentucky, getting ready to transfer. I got a call from him. From him. I didn't, I never heard about the place, um, but yeah. To answer your question, it's a super. It was a stark change, man. It was a super small town. Um, you know, a couple full spots, not much. You know, you got to drive Champaign, Illinois, where University right. of Illinois is. It's about 45 minutes away. So if you want to go to the mall, you want to go get some Panda Express or whatever, <laughs> you got to drive to Champaign. So that was 
you know, we used to drive to Champagne every now and then, but uh, go to the mall or whatnot. But yeah, that was about forty five minutes away. But yeah, man, it was it was a difference. It was a, it was a definitely a, a culture shock with the town and with the football because you know, at you at Kentucky, it's like. Kentucky and those schools, man, those SEC schools and some of those power five schools, it's an embarrassment of riches. You know, you got everything you want um, when it comes to gear and uh, just just a lot of stuff, man. The amount of people, uh, the fans, I mean, it's just an embarrassment of riches. So you go to a school like that in a town like that, it, it's definitely a change. But, you know, we chameleons, man, I adjusted and, um, you know, made, a, made an adjustment. But, but it was a great decision for me to go there, I think. One of the best decisions I've ever made, for sure. And if you don't mind me asking, um, sounded kind of who was the coach that uh, called you to come up there? Coach Kim Dameron was the head coach, um, so I talked to him, but I also talked to uh, Coach Stevens, who's I think he's the offensive coordinator right now at uh, Southeastern Louisiana. Yes, he was there before he got to Eastern. He went to Eastern and he went back. And he he's a he's a good he's a sharp football mind man he know he knows what he's talking about when it comes to schematics he's a great he's a great X's and O's guy uh, he knows his football man so I learned a whole bunch you know still running some of that stuff to this day uh, still teaching some of those concepts to this day so uh, but yeah Kim Dameron was the head coach the reason why I asked that because <clears throat> the last the last name cut me by cut me off not really off guard but the my head coach at Kentucky Christian University, a small town and or small university in Grayson, Kentucky, in the eastern part of the state. His last, he's his Dan Dameron. And so, real quick, I thought you said Dan. I'm like, time out here, hold up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they can, you know, related or connected, you know, genetically or whatnot. So I don't, I don't know. Um. Real quick, you know, kind of continue calling, talking college football. You know, expansion is what the college football is all about. And kind of want to see what your thoughts are. Of course, the SEC, of course, what you're familiar with. Uh, what's your thoughts on the SEC expanding again uh, here in the next few years with Oklahoma and Texas? And is this the new – I mean, let's be honest. Is this the new way that college football is going to look like with this new multi, uh, multi-team uh, conference? Yeah, I think that's just where it's going, man. I think, you know, you're going to have like two or three huge conferences and it's going to be like everybody else. That's just my honest opinion. But uh, honestly, I, you know, I don't love it, to be honest with you. Because um, it's like the SEC is it's such a traditional conference. It's such a, yeah. you know, it's such a, it's a staple in college football. And when you see the staple starting to change, you know we on the, big changes on the horizon. So it's such a staple that you really don't like to see it. I grew up watching. I remember growing up watching, you know, SEC football on CBS at 3.30. That was like the thing. Yep, that was you know? game. And sometimes we couldn't watch as much because we were out at the field all day because we had games and my dad was running the program and whatnot, so we couldn't really watch. But uh, I remember I, we used to get our hair cut at home mm-hmm. while watching SEC games at noon uh, before we went out to the field. And that's just like a, you know, you know, you hate to see stuff like that change too much. So I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to that. Like I, you know, I don't, I don't really agree with Oakland. I, I see why they're doing it. It's all dollar signs, and you know, they're gonna get recruits at Oklahoma and Texas because those guys from Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, uh, Mississippi, they're gonna go to Oklahoma 
knowing that they're going to play most of their games close to home when they play when they play away games. So you know, family can come and whatnot. But I don't love it. You know, I, I think you know Texas is struggling in, in the Big Twelve. You know, you come to the SEC, you're definitely going to struggle. Uh, um, Oklahoma is just you know, I'm not huge on you know their defense. I love the offense. I like Lincoln Riley when they do on offense, but. Mm -hmm. I'm just not huge on their program. I don't think they have the type of program to like win a national championship. Uh, but it's going to add some more, you know, some more spark to the conference. It's going to add some more flavor to it. But um, like you said, I'm a traditionalist, man. I like, I like, I still like seeing those, you know, same teams going at it that I've been watching my whole life. So, uh, but it's it's whatever. It may be better, uh, but um, we'll, we'll, you know, it's, the jury's still out, really. On you know where it's going, but I think it's going to. Uh, you're gonna have the SEC, the Big Ten, and you're gonna have maybe a conference out west, the Pac-12, which would probably be like 20 teams or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it's going, just personally. I, I'm with you on that one. I'm definitely a traditional guy. You know, I always grew up watching now Thanksgiving just around the corner. And my grandpa and I, we always, and my dad, we always watched uh, Texas, Texas A&M on Thanksgiving, Nebraska, Colorado. Um, the list goes on and on, and I'm I'm like you, you know. Be even be even though I'm be a big twelve, <laughs> I, I miss the OU Nebraska's, the you know yeah. even the trips to Boulder, Colorado with OU Colorado or Colorado Texas, it doesn't matter. But um, but no, I'm with you on that. I like the tradition, but of course, money, big money talks, and that's what this is. Uh, unfortunately, it's about. But I totally get it, and you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I will uh, definitely. Uh, agree on the uh, fact that uh, two things. One, Oklahoma definitely needs to get a defense because they won't be able to compete um, week in and week out in Texas. Yeah, boy, it's, it's going to Yeah, yeah they're going to have a rough uh, – definitely, yeah, they have a rough couple of years, you know, especially playing, you know, just think about it, man. You, whoever takes the LSU job, probably going to be a good coach. Mm -hmm. They're going to get good recruits. So it's just going to be tough, you know, it's not like, you know, playing Texas Tech and then turn around and playing, you know, whoever else they playing over there. I know I'm super biased, but it's just what it is, man. I, you know, that's <laughs> I just grew up on SEC football, so yeah. that was always my dream to play in the SEC. So when I, when Kentucky and Ole Miss came called, I knew it was going to be one of those two because I, you know, that's just you know we grew up right in the heart. Hey, you can't come. I mean, let's be honest. The SEC is the best football in conference. I mean, that or best conference in football. I mean, hey, that's where the big dogs play, and that's where everybody wants to be at. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, OU's got to get it together defensively. I mean, they almost lost to Kansas, Texas. I don't know what to think about them. And, the, you know, best of luck to them, and we'll see what happens. Um, but um, <clears throat> so you wrote a book uh, called Prepared. Um, first question or first thought is what made you decide to write, write a book? Um, and will we see, well, I guess that'd be the first question is what made you lead to writing a book? I'm sure it's a great one. I'll have to get it myself. And, uh, especially for my older son, uh, first things first, what made you decide to write a book and, uh, and start, I guess we can start from there. Yeah. So this is the book right here. Uh, Right here, but yeah, so um, kind of what made me write it was honestly one day I was it was during the pandemic, so I was at home, you know, just like everybody else, um, just 
not doing too much at one point um, of the pandemic when we were still trying to figure out, you know, kind of what was going on. Right. And I just, you know, I just started typing on my computer, typing, typing my thoughts or whatever. Um, I took a break from it because I took a, I took a, I moved to, I was living in that, I was working in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and I was home for spring break and I got stuck here due to COVID. So um, I was kind of idle for a while. My car was in Texas, everything. I was super idle, uh, you know, so I had a lot of time on my hands. So I just started typing. Then I took a job here in Georgia at a high school coaching quarterbacks. Um, and I got busy with that because I'm all in on football when I'm doing football. So I, I put the book on the back burner, you know, but people who were close to me who knew I was doing this, they they were egging me on to keep keep going and finish it. So, you know, I just I buckled down and I was I was during the season, I would type a little, you know, things would come to my mind. I would type a little bit, type a couple, type a couple sentences. And after the season, I put it all together and I finished it and put the finishing touches on it, edited it, uh, got the design for it and whatnot. And I self-published it on Amazon. So, but at the end of the day, what really made me do it was I really wanted to give something to high school athletes, college athletes that I wish I had. You know, things, you know, there were there would have been some, you know, some some differences in my experience, mm -hmm. I will say, if I had the information that was in here prior to going to college or prior to um you know, even playing high school ball, if I had the information that was in this book, you know, and I tell parents that I tell high school athletes this and college athletes this all the time. Uh, you you just don't know what you don't know. Right. right. So seek information. So, you know, it was something that was driving me to do it. And it was the fact mm -hmm. that there's nothing else out there like it, mm -hmm. quite like it. You know, there's not really a kind of a manual of how to go about some of the things that may come up in your day, in your year, in your career, in your experience in college. It's just not, um, you know, so it's something that I, you know, I found a, a niche a little bit and I decided to do it. Um, so it's, it's, I wanted to really help, help those student athletes, you know, and I've got, you know, softball players in college who've read it and, you know, contacted me and, you know, their coaches bought it and they're contacting me and, um, you know, college football players in different places that, that that got the book, high school players who's all, you know, I got to train, you know, kids that's sophomores in high school and they've already read it through. Um, so they got some information that there's seniors in college who don't have that information. And there's a 15-year-old sophomore who does. So I just think, you know, it's something that, it was something that I know that can help. So I decided to, you know, kind of do, it's kind of like a self-help thing. <clears throat> I like that. And because, you know, simply, I think a lot of people don't have, and especially the smaller high schools, maybe per se, and maybe some other bigger high schools, you know, I know at least here in Oklahoma, it's, you know, you got your independence, but it's always class C to, to 6A, I think it's 6A2 now, but um, and, and I think that's, a, and I, I like that because not a lot of these student athletes are prepared to go make that jump, regardless if it's in AIA, uh, D3, D2, or FCS and FBS. And I think I, I like that. I think that's pretty awesome to get that, you know, even if it's just like, well, it's just, a, you know, you may have those naysayers, but it's just a book. What's it going to be? Well, it's the little things that impact people's lives that we don't realize, and that doesn't get noticed. And uh, I think that's pretty awesome.
appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Are we going to see a second book in the near future? Yeah, you definitely will see a second nice. book in the near future. Uh, the near future could be a <laughs> lot of things, but you, you'll definitely see you'll definitely see a second. I've, I've, I've actually already started it. I've started it right after I finished this one uh, because I was still in that mode. But I, you know, you know, I've taken a break. It's kind of a zone you get in when you're writing. Yes, sir. Know, I, yeah, so I, I took a I took a nice break from it. Um, and my plan is to start back sometime soon. Mm-hmm. But I got a lot of other things going on that I need to, you know, kind of get accomplished. So uh, it's been put on the back burner right now. But uh, you'll know when it when it gets released. Um, and this one's gonna this one's gonna be wild. You know, prepared prepared the information that prepared is wild. But this one, the topics in this one, the, the you know, the title and the topics is gonna be going to be uh kind of jaw dropping and it's really going but it's going to help a lot of athletes man like i always say if you got athletes listening to this or parents that have athletes grab the book it's just you know you would you would definitely appreciate the information that's in here because you know as as a 17 year old kid 18 year old kid getting ready to graduate high school i didn't know anything i i didn't have very many people to um kind of give me a lot of this information about college and what to expect and, you know, how to conduct yourself as a student athlete, how to build your personal brand. And I talk about that in the book because now, you know, we got NIL going on where these high school kids got opportunities to, or not high school, but college, you know, kids got opportunity to make money now. So I talk about that in the book and I released the book before the NIL thing was, was even a big deal. So, um, you know, it's just it's just something that can help, man. And I, I really I stress to, you know, not just because of mine, but I stress to young athletes to really grab it. It's like 44 pages, man. You can read it in a day if you wanted mm-hmm. to. Uh, but it's one of those things that you got you read it and you say, OK, let me go back and read it over and over and over because it's such an easy and quick read. But you're just going to gain, you know, everything is repetition. So you're just going to gain the knowledge that you need and the wisdom that you need 18 year old kid with, you know, the wisdom that's in this book, you know, can really, you know, change this trajectory a little bit for the better. Absolutely. I applaud you for that. And of course, you know, you brought up and that was, a, you know, I was kind of leaning towards that as well. Um, is a name image likeness, of course, um, biggest topic during the college football off season for the exception of, you know, the SEC and the expansion. But, you know, besides that, just focus on the student athlete part. Is a name image likeness. Um, I've had, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, I have some buddies that says, nah, I'm not for it. Of course, everybody's, you know, you got your, you got your mixed feelings here and there. Uh, right. I think it's, you know, once I did the more research than when it first came out, you know, people, you know, I think, it, I think it, uh, and I got a buddy of mine, Dartinian Tinsley, um, you know, I know him personally, so it helps him out as well. Is this a long time overdue for the college, just college athletes in general, not so much college football, but just college athletes in general. Is this a long time overdue that should have happened probably maybe even during your playing days? Not even. Oh too- yeah. Yeah. You know, and I appreciate you asking me this because I got things to say about this. Mm-hmm. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's super long overdue. So that's, that's one. I've had mixed feelings about it, you know, because I can only imagine being 18 with, horse deal right you know what i'm saying i can only imagine being 18 with that type of money right um 
you got to have the schools need to put, and I'm sure the big ones, the big schools, they got people around them, got things in place to help people, help those athletes, you know, kind of manage their money and, uh, you know, make good decisions with it and not really burn it and spend it all. But my big thing with the NIL is it's super helpful to a lot of college athletes. They, you know, they need it uh, if they can get it. But the thing is, everybody in the locker room is not getting those deals like that. So, right. you know, I, I question how are you going to keep your team kind of zeroed in and focused on what they need to really be focused on. Um, but that's kind of the, you know, is is you know, it's two sides of each coin. I mean, it is just what it is. Two sides of every coin. So um, that's what it is. But at the end of the day, I'm glad they got it done, um, and I'm glad these kids get an opportunity to you know, to, to make money. But my big thing was the, the schools and the NCAA still got off the hook, man. You know, to be honest with you, they're not, the schools and the NCAA are not giving people anything. It's the businesses that got to make the deals with the athletes. So uh, the NCAA did a great job of, you know, once again, a, a no look pass, right? Behind the back. No look past the universities. Also, they're not shelling out a dime to these athletes. It's it's the businesses that's doing it. So at the end of the day, all the NCAA and the uh, you know and these universities had to do is okay, write a bill and say, look, or, you know, got they got a rule book. Okay, this is what it is, right? At the end of the day, my you know, if I'm the NCAA, nothing's changing with us. Like we're we're still the same entity. Like we're not losing any money because of NIL, right? We're not giving any money to athletes. So they still got off the hook. The, these huge universities with, you know, unlimited amount of money still got off the hook. But at the end of the day, as a young athlete who's in college, they don't care about that. They All they know is, okay, I got an opportunity to make some money. So that's all they see. But as a, as a person who's, you know, removed from that world, and uh, I know better now, I still see how, you know, let's call it what it is, you know, NCAA is getting over, you know, let's be honest. Yep. You know, they make a lot of money, man. And, they, you know, from what I know, I could be wrong, you know, but from what I've know and what I've read, the NCAA is still off the hook. They're not giving any money to anybody. So, uh, but at the end of the day, good for the athletes, though. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for those guys. Most definitely. And, you know, and I think the biggest picture – that I think a lot of people miss and I think we forget. And that might just be the, you know, the, the world that we live in that we assume that, you know, for example, let's just say Spencer Rattler, the quarterback, uh, Oklahoma, and, you know, he's got his deals X, Y, and Z. And, you know, let's say Bryce Young at Alabama X, Y, Z. And but I think we forget that a lot of these kids, even at the smaller universities, a lot of them come back from the background that, you know, the, um, that might have come from a family that, can't afford college. So these half, you know, these half scholarships are of course a lot of help and it helps them out, you know, not having to fork out, uh, you know, loans to pay for college. And it might, even if it, if it is loans, it's not going to be as much as what they anticipated and X, Y, and Z. But I think we, you know, and I know sometimes I'll, I'll be at fault as that as we always seem, well, they got everything handed to them anyway, you know, free tuition, free room and board and the list goes on and on. But, you know, at the same time, it's like maybe the other kid, he might not have that lucky growing up and lived in poverty or lived, you know, 
you know, whatever the case may be. And it helps them out more than we realize. Yeah, hundred percent. I definitely agree with that. And also, I mean, you know, kind of going back on that, the NCAA, man, they, I mean, it was maybe five, six years ago, maybe that they allowed, you know, kind of unlimited meals for these high school, for these college kids, yeah. you know, and even still the smaller schools still don't get the benefit of some of these um, groundbreaking decisions and groundbreaking rules in the game. They don't, you know, some some of these players at these smaller schools, they still don't kind of reap the benefits of it because they're at such a small school, such a small market. The school is not as, you know, you know, wealthy, right? And they don't have the opportunity to get some of these things, especially, you know, I can only think about a school like Eastern. There's not a lot of businesses in Charles, Illinois, right? It's not a lot of, big businesses that can really shell out uh, a decent amount of money to those players and give them deals. Uh, it's just not. Now, anything helps, you know, for those guys. Because if I'm at Eastern, you got 130 players in the locker room or whatever. Uh, let's say, you know, maybe they cut smaller deals and kind of break it up amount amongst guys. Maybe some schools can kind of, you know, figure something out that way. But at the end of the day, the rich get richer, man. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's just, <laughs> exactly. that's just, uh, that's just the honest truth. So my thing is you got to position yourself to, to, to be in that category, some type of way. If you're at a smaller school, what can you do? All right. You know, to, to, to monetize your brand. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. Find a way to monetize your brand. They can make money from YouTube and all that stuff now. So uh, find a way to monetize your brand. Uh, and definitely go all in in it in the offseason, right? Absolutely. Without taking away from football, taking away from your team, taking away from academics, find a way to, you know, find a way to do it. So uh, there's some guys out there getting creative, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where you just got to kind of find your niche and be creative and get it done. So I'm anxious to see. I'm honestly, I want to do a case study, man. I want I want to see, you know. I want to see at, the, at these smaller schools, these D2 schools, even D3, even FCS. I want to see um, what are some ways, you know, these athletes are, you know, making their money. How, how are they coming up? Like, how are they being creative and finding their niche when it comes to the NIL and these rule changes? Because I'm sure you got some guys out there super creative who's coming up with all types of ideas uh, and getting other teammates involved. Uh, which is great. I commend that. So I want to I want to do kind of a case study in the offseason to see if I can find something uh, and I'll post it and I may write about it, uh, you know, one day or whatnot. So I kind of want to, you know, kind of want to take a deep, deep dive in that. Well, I got two players that you can definitely uh, talk with and uh, hopefully they can help you out as well. Uh, Daryl Branch, who's been on the show a few times, uh, East or Tennessee State. I don't know why I keep saying East Tennessee State. Uh, Tennessee State and then Tartanian Tinsley, Kentucky Christian. So I know I got two of them for you that uh, would be willing to, I'm sure, help you out. And I can shoot a uh, DM, uh, just shoot you their uh, uh, handles and all that good stuff. But I'm actually, I'll be curious. I'll, I'll be, I'll be looking forward to that one. I'm kind of curious <clears throat> of how, you know, even from the FCF level on down to D, D3, NAIA for that matter. But, uh, I'm kind of curious on that one. Yeah, 100%. Of course, uh, <clears throat> I haven't asked it a lot lately on the guests, and I should have, but uh, 
in the past, I've always asked kind of people kind of get a glimpse of everybody's world uh, that we, that took place last year and with COVID and, and the lockdowns and everything else that came in place. For, for you, Mr. Whitlow, what was 2020, not so much in one word, but what was 2020 like for you? And, and was there parts of, of your life prior to, or what we always say pre-COVID, that you just, I shouldn't say that you didn't take for granted so much, but then you realized that maybe I should have focused, like for me, for example, time with family and all that, you know, um, we always get busy, but he's like, I don't have time. I don't have time. Of course, now you have time because you guys are also isolated in these four walls. Uh, but then jokes aside, but now for real, um, what was 2020 like for you personally um, from the COVID and, and also to bring it up for with all the social injustice that was taking place during this time, of course, uh, was a big thing and, and rightfully so. And, you know, for you personally, how did it affect you and and uh, how did the 2020 shape out for you? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I think, you know, kind of just what everybody's saying, you know, they appreciate the family time and whatnot. You know, that was a big deal, especially you seeing all this COVID stuff and kind of the tragedies from it, uh, you, you know, you really start to uh, be appreciative and grateful, um, you know, that the time that you spend with family and whatnot. So I think that was a big thing for me and for everybody probably. Um, but another big thing for me was um, definitely with the, you know, all the injustice stuff and even just the time that you had. I think one thing that was kind of glaring was, time like you 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 kind of you know learn and you appreciate just time right that's one thing I did I appreciate just you know having time to do things right I had the time to write a book even because if I if, if COVID never happened this book would never be published true that's just the, that's just the truth you know maybe I would have started it or maybe I would have thought about it later mm -hmm. but it wouldn't be published as of February of 2020 or February of 2021. So that's, you know, February 4, 2021 is what the day I published it. And I don't think that would have happened without COVID. Um, so I tried to look at the positive, uh, you know, of some things, spending time with family. Um, I got a chance to sit and really like think, you know, cause everything slow down, things are closed, people off the road. So you kind of got a sense of like serenity almost. Uh, you got a chance to really just think about things and kind of, I came to my senses with a lot of stuff. Um, you know, so I think, I think that was huge, you know, and I just really learned, right. I learned about things that I didn't, you know, expect to learn about, you know, didn't anticipate learning about, you know, read things that I didn't anticipate reading, uh, you know, watch certain videos and podcasts that I didn't anticipate watching and learned a lot from, um, you know, it was a, it was a huge eye opener for me, man. And I, I tried to make the most of it. And when I look back on it, I still think I could have made a little bit of most, you know, a little bit of, mm -hmm. uh, leeway in some areas of my life with that time, but hindsight is always 2020, but you know, you, you, I think the big thing was just the time, man. You, you really got a chance to learn, uh, and just sit with yourself and kind of think, Cause you know, it was just a, a sense of serenity outside. Right. You know what I'm saying? At least I'm in, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, man. So um, to not 
get caught in traffic in Atlanta, Georgia, is <laughs> something weird is going on. Um, I can so, imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. So that's that's that was the big thing for me. Um, you know, even got a chance to, um, you know, take a job in Georgia, nice. and I learned a lot then. I, I learned, you know, Coach uh, Pete Deweese was the offensive coordinator, and I was, you know. Um, lucky to be the quarterback coach, coach the senior quarterback, learned a lot from Pete. Uh, he's big on social media. Everybody knows him. So uh, I'm sure he watched this podcast too, probably. Um, but, you know, I, I would just, you know, I just look at, I try to look at the positives is what I'm saying. Right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of positives to take away from it. And I just hope I was appreciative enough to, you know, uh, you know, take those positives. Absolutely. And you bring up social media, which seems to be everybody's life that everybody runs to nowadays. And and I got asked when I was on a certain podcast, the Finding Moments podcast, the host asked me, and I kind of like to carry on the same question, um, just kind of get people's reactions, kind of see how people react. Um, my answer was probably not so great to him, I'm sure, but I don't know. No, um, he's a cool guy. But nonetheless, um, when it comes to social media, when you see, you know, some of the negativity in regards to comments, maybe somebody, you know, you said a racial thriller, neg- something negative or just negativity in general, it doesn't have to be whatever, just something negative, like this day really sucks. I hate my life, blah, 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 blah. Um, how do you handle negativity just in your life? Not so much even in social media, just in life in general. How do you handle uh, negativity? Uh. <clears throat> Man, to be honest, I just try to, I just try to always, you know, have the mentality that there's always two sides to mm-hmm. everything. You know, what may seem like a negative can sometimes end up being a positive, and vice versa. Uh, so I just try to, I just try to, you know, I honestly try to play, try to play life like I played football and like I was taught to play football uh, by my, you know, my my parents and my coaches growing up taught to play quarterback. You just and I actually just got off Zoom with the with the high school quarterback around in the Atlanta area who has a game tomorrow. We typically meet on Thursday nights and talk about game plan and watch a little film and whatnot. But I was talking to him about um, you know being level, man, being balanced, right? There's people who, you know, can't handle success and there's people who can't handle adversity. Um, and I don't want to be around either of those people. And I don't like to coach people, kids like that, because, um, you know, it's contagious. So you got to teach people how to, you know, handle it. And and everybody, every situation is different. There are certain adverse, you know, adverse situations that's so stark that it's hard to handle. Mm-hmm. I get it. There are certain things that's so great that it's, it's hard not to kind of get sidetracked a little bit. But I try to stay level, man. You know, I try my best to stay as level as possible. Uh, not perfect, obviously, but. I try. I try my best to just stay level. You know, if it's negative, I try not to be around it. Uh, try to dismiss it. Try to drown it out with something positive. If it's positive, I accept it and uh, kind of try to refocus on what's next. Um, you know, and appreciate it and, and refocus on what's next. Just like throwing a touchdown. Okay, cool. You celebrating the end zone, but once you get to the sideline, what's next? How did it? You know, what was my footwork like on this play? What happened? Okay, next drive, we're seeing this. Let's do this different. We're looking looking at this, you know, like play action here. We like screen here, whatever, right? And if it's negative, okay, why was it negative? 
that happened. Okay, if we see this look again, this is how we can fix it. So that's that's ultimately what I try to do. And I know that sounds like coach speak and sound like the typical answer. It sounds cliche, but that's just what I strive to do, honestly, because negative things are going to happen. And about social media, honestly, I learned how to deal with the negative stuff on social media when I got to college, man. Um, opposing teams, fans, and even, you know, some of our fans, it's just what it is. Fans are fans. You have bad games, bad things happen. I remember, I remember my freshman year getting back to the dorm, and I, I checked my messages on um, – because, you know, all the fans hit you up, family hit you up. You just play on TV or whatever, and people, con- you know, contact you saying they saw you or good job or bad job. Um, so I, I checked my messages on, on Facebook, and I had, you know, some very nasty messages. But I was, you know – I guess it's just my personality. Like, I didn't even think twice about it. I just didn't respond. Right. I deleted them. I wish I wouldn't have deleted the messages, but I just didn't respond. I either deleted the message and went about my night or my day like it was normal. Um, but I know some people like respond to certain people on social media and whatnot. I, I'm just not into that, man. I'm not I'm not into social media, to be honest with you. I, I do it because there's a purpose for it, uh, for what I do. So I'm, you know, I'm just not into that. I'm not into posting stuff all the time. And, you know, that's just not, I'd rather spend my time doing other things, um, you know, but there's industries that got to have social media. There's businesses that need it. And there's, you got to interact with people for those purposes. So I get it, but you know, it's a lot of negativity out there and I just, social media is like a cesspool of it. Um, people say whatever they want to say to you. Uh, you know, probably some stuff they wouldn't say to your face. They'll say it on social media, yep. you know, with the Twitter egg, you know, with, you know, so yep. it, it is what it is, man. So uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really care either way, to be honest with you. Yeah. Social media, you know, I'm Facebook. I'm not so much active like I used to be and, and uh, Twitter it's hit and miss now seems like, but uh, social media, I think it's, it's, it's funny. how, like you said, it's, it's funny to an extent, I'm sure that people like to say stuff, but the second you meet them face to face, it'd be a whole different ball game. I'm sure they probably couldn't punch. I don't know. They might fight like a girl. <laughs> I really, I really don't know. But, yeah, uh, but uh, moving on, of course, uh, you're the founder of BTG. Mm-hmm. Um, explain that and and uh, tell the listeners out there um, what it's about and the purpose of BTG. Yeah, so um, it stands for Be the Glitch. And what Be the Glitch is, is, you know, people, the, the kids who grew up playing Madden and NCAA football know what I'm talking about. You always got a play or a player that's a glitch in the game that you just can't can't stop. I remember playing uh, NCAA, me and A.J. Legree, who played at, play receiver at Kentucky. He was my roommate my sophomore year. We used to be uh, – we used to uh, – we used to play NCAA, you know, sometimes in the summer, be up on the weekends all night with teammates playing NCAA. I'm talking all night, 3 a.m., uh, playing NCAA football, uh, you know, just just being college students in the summer, man, it, you know. So uh, Oregon and Alabama on NCAA, you just you can't stop them. It's, it's impossible. That was a glitch. So I took that and I started this in 2017 when I moved to Hilton Head, South Carolina. I was also coordinator quarterbacks coach at Hilton Head High. Um, back in 17, I, I moved there straight out of college. And I just – I started – I wanted, I always wanted to work with quarterbacks. I always into football. I wanted to stay connected to the sport in many ways as possible, not just one when I got done playing. 
Um, so it was a way for me to stay connected to it. So I started training quarterbacks in that area, young kids, as many as I can, uh, from ages eight on up, really, 10 on up. Um, and it's just kind of grown. You know, it's something that I like doing. I enjoy doing. I really don't see his work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just enjoy, you know, training quarterbacks, teaching them what I know. Um, and it also keeps me on my toes, too, because one day I may want to be a coordinator again and uh, just keep me learning. Um, and, I, and I tell my quarterbacks this all the time. When our sessions are over, I learn just as much as you learn yeah. or more. You know what I'm saying? So that's the type of, you know, approach I take from it, man. The, the way I teach is so much different now than it was three years ago. It's ridiculous. Uh, I kind of cringe at the way I used to teach sometimes now, uh, you know, that I'm older and more wise and I'm sure it's going to continue to keep growing. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, BTG, man, it was just started me, me and my brother, we kind of, um, you know, are kind of running it and we right. just looking to, you know, keep expanding and keep growing uh, because we want to build a network of quarterbacks uh, and athletes that, uh, you know, that are kind of prepared like, you know, connecting the book to it, just kind of prepared and ready for every situation that may arise uh, in their sport and whatnot. So um, that's that's kind of what we pride ourselves on, man, It's just being prepared and teaching as much as we can teach and, and really, you know, learn as much as we can learn and kind of um, implanting that into our, our athletes. That's awesome. And, and it kind of – I was going to kind of – wanting to lead that into the next one was growing up, um, even through, you know, your playing days, when you first started playing football up to high school, college, who was your inspiration through all that entire time growing up? And even to this day, who's, um, who has been your inspiration? Who is your inspiration? And how did he or she affect your life in so many ways? I'm sure that you can't even thank them enough for what they've done. Just, you're saying just my overall inspiration? Is whoever anybody you have a, I'm sure you have a long list. It can be anybody, everybody. And yeah. Um I mean, I got so many people, man. You know, you gotta start with my, my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just you know, I'm just grateful to be able to learn from them and you know, and and you know, take the wisdom from them. Uh, but that's, you know, that's probably the obvious answer, but honestly, man, my inspiration, um, I mean, I, I try to take a, take a lot from everybody and I know that's not the, the, the funnest answer, but, um, but yeah, man, I, you know, I can give you this though, growing up playing sports, my first kind of the first person that I was like, man, I kind of want to be like that as far as just cause I grew up loving basketball was Allen Iverson. Oh, yes. Allen Iverson was like, you know, I had the shoes. I wore the finger sleeve to school. I wore the headband to school. You know, I, I did all of that <laughs> in elementary. <laughs> Another one was um, um, Michael Vick, of course. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, of course. Um, and, you know, LeBron, because it's crazy to say, but LeBron been playing in the NBA since I was in fourth grade. Yeah, so um, that's that's crazy to say, but he been. You know, I had his first pair of shoes. I remember we were at an All Star mm-hmm. basketball tournament. We went to the mall, and uh, I think we were in Birmingham somewhere. 
Alabama, and uh, my dad bought me, my, you know, some LeBrons. It was his first pair of LeBrons. I wish I still had them. They probably worth like two thousand dollars, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, man. So I kind of, I kind of was, you know. And another thing was, you know, it seemed like it was all sports, but I kind of grew up in a household where we, we, we did other things too, man. So um, I had an inspiration coming from a lot of different angles, you know. I had a lot of people around me. Uh, you know, that kind of gave me inspiration. I remember one of my one of my dad's one of his friends who was his quarterback for a semi-pro football team uh, was an inspiration of mine. Uh, J.R. Richardson. You know, mm-hmm. I just you know we I grew up going to those semi-pro games, being a you know little big head kid at the games on the sideline. You know, getting ran over on the sideline by those big old grown men. You know, as a kid, and I was, I remember just you know him just teaching me. I remember one day we were in office and he was on a dry race board just teaching me football I was in like fourth or fifth grade maybe sixth so I you know I had inspiration coming from a lot of different angles um so you know all that I'm grateful for and thankful for for sure I like that and you know I really like you know and like you said you know I agree with you a lot of people say parents and grandparents and stuff like that but I think I think you, I really like your answer because a lot of people play certain roles in your life to where you're at now, and it starts from you know it might be your little league pee wee football coach, so your high school coach, middle school coach. The list goes on and on. And I like that because we don't we don't realize, even though as much you know I still talk to my high school coach, but you know, I may not talk to so-and-so, but that person still had an impact on your life to where you're at. Now, I, I, I like that answer. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, of course, you know, yeah, parents are especially my dad, you know, same like I could hear my dad, but parents and both, you know, sacrifice a lot to, to help do what they had to do to get me where I got to go. And I applauded for that. And, and, um, yeah, man, his, his parents play a huge role. We don't, I definitely don't give enough credit, but um, even when I am a parent, it's like, wow, now I know my, how my parents felt because, man, this is, this is, you know, this is no joke, but nah, it's cool. Um, <clears throat> real quick before I want to do something a little different on the show is what was the best environment um, playing wise on the road? Uh, I know the SEC has so many environments at that place. It's insane. Yeah. Um, regardless of Eastern Illinois and Kentucky, what was that one environment? I like, man, this is just, this is insane. And I know Gainesville can get up there too. Yeah. That's, that was going to be the first one. I, I, <laughs> I remember my freshman year. I, first of all, we played, it was a known kick. Mm-hmm. So you had to wake up super early that day, uh, you know, get prepared to go play a game. Florida in 2012, Florida was like Florida. They were good. I mean, everybody on the field went to the NFL, literally seemed like. Um, so they were, they were pretty good. But um, I'll never forget, man, it was scorching hot. We were in warmups and we couldn't stop sweating. And ironically, it was September. But Lexington, Kentucky that week, for some reason, was, like, super cool. It was like we were practicing early in the mornings, too, and it was, like, super cool that week. And we get to Florida, and it's, like, super hot, man. It was, It's hot, it's humid, but the stands, the fans are right on top of you. 
So I'm on the sideline talking to my teammates literally right next to him, not even a foot away from him. And I couldn't hear him. I couldn't hear what I was saying, and they couldn't hear what I was saying. Wow. And I was talking as loud as I possibly can, and they couldn't. They still couldn't hear me. That's how loud that stadium gets. Wow. And, and people don't people don't realize that, man. But home field advantage is a real thing, man. Mm-hmm. Especially in environments like that, that's a real thing. Like I couldn't hear, I couldn't hear what my guy was saying. He was literally his shoulder to shoulder, and in that stadium, you know. And it was that's when I said, yeah, this this is real right here, man. <laughs> this this is different. So you know, Florida was the swamp was was definitely on that list because uh, I called that one early freshman year. But I, I it's another one I'm thinking about that was at Eastern that was a great place to play. Jacksonville State was a great place to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, great place to play. They, they got a nice stadium, nice facilities. I got to think of it's another one that was great. Um, played at Minnesota my junior year. But it was it was one more. I can't, oh, Northern Iowa. Oh. Northern Iowa my my uh, senior year playoff game, my last game ever. Uh, we played at Northern Iowa. It was like Thanksgiving weekend, so the stands weren't weren't even full. But I mean, they had, you know, it was it was probably a little bit over half capacity, right. maybe half. But the, it was a it's an indoor facility. It's a dome, and, and and you just it's a dome. You can't hear, man. Like it's it's crazy. You can't hear anything. So we changed the snap count. Um, you know, up during the week. And it was so loud that you, I mean, if you're not really, you got, it's hard to win, man. You got to be really mentally there. I, I screwed up the snap, the snap count twice that game. And I remember the, uh, the O-line coach, Coach Hudson, he was actually coaching for the Raiders. Um, and he, you know, he was like, looking at me like, bro, like you gotta, you know what I'm saying? I screwed right. it up exactly. twice because it's, yeah, because it's so loud, and and they they had one of those defenses where you you got to process a lot of it's a lot going on. Wow. And I, I remember I screwed up the snap count, and I was like, man, this all, all because of how loud it is in here. We got a penalty, so we got to move back five yards. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, that's 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 crazy. So home field advantages, I would say those two stadiums, the Swamp and um and uh Northern Iowa, but I, I got to give an honorable mention to uh to uh South Carolina. We played we played we played at seven it was a seven or seven thirty kick mm-hmm. uh at, at what's it called Bryce that, something uh, stadium or yeah it's yeah in, in Columbia South Carolina um Bryce Williams I think I think yeah, uh, so we played at Bryce Williams in Columbia South Carolina and that was that was nuts at seven thirty. You know they start playing a sandstorm and everything. Um and that that was that was wild. So that, and ironically, I just got off the off Zoom the other day with one of my former players from South Carolina. He goes to uh, University of South Carolina now. Uh, but yeah, South Carolina is a wild place to play too. You know that 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 place gets pretty crazy. Nice, and uh, I I was I'm sure I I kind of figured that Gainesville, the swamp, would be up there because. I've never been there physically, but just watching on TV, I can just imagine the noise literally on the field with God knows how many people are in that stadium yelling, yes. screaming, jumping, and God knows what else they were doing, I'm sure. Yes, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, man. 
Well, very quick before I uh, end the show, um, <clears throat> want to do a little special random question draw presented by Law Train Watches. Save 10% on all orders using the code Air Raid. Question for you, Jalen, is given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? A dinner guest. Um, this is going to throw people for a loop. But I'll, I've always said this. I want This is the only person in, on the planet that I've ever wanted to meet. He died back in 2016, uh, Dick Gregory. And I don't know, I don't know if people know who he is, but he was a comedian, like a civil rights activist, humanitarian. Um, I mean, a lot of things. Uh, author, um, you know, a whole bunch of things. He was he was one person that the only I can only think of that's I mean, by far, he's there's other people I would want to be a dinner guest with and whatnot, but he was he was number one because I, you know, I like talking to older people. Um because they, I mean, it's just, they just know so much, man. It's just, Absolutely. you're going to leave with something. So, um, but yeah, that, that would be my one. I took one from a buddy of mine and I apologize if this makes you laugh, but uh, this is, this is how he asked. When was the last time you felt lit up? Felt what? Lit up. Lit up. I don't know what he means by that. I apologize on that one. I don't know. I won't say his name for his own even self-being. Last time I felt lit up, um, um, I would probably have to say high school. Uh, we, were, we were playing Oxford. If you're talking about, I mean, lit up, I can only, I, I, I just associated with football. We were playing Oxford. And Quan Alexander, he played for, uh, I think he played for the Saints now, something like that. Um, and the hardest, the hardest hit I ever took in my life. I mean, I couldn't talk. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't even call the next play. Um, that's why I definitely felt felt lit up on that one. I like that. Um, last two more. Um, do you have anything autographed by a celebrity or a sports athlete? I do not. I do not. And then the last one. Oh, here we go. And the last one. Well, that was about a book. So I'm going to go on to the next person. That Here we go. What's your theme song and why? My theme song. That's a good question, man. Um, theme song. I would have to ask my girlfriend or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. I, my theme song. I would have to say, right now, I would probably have to say uh, Nipsey Hussle. Um, yeah. All Get Right. That's probably, that's probably one of my theme songs. Um, and why is because it's just a good good vibe to it you know it's not too fast and hard it's not too slow and you know mellow it's right in the middle and it's just a it's a positive message in it you know that i take from it um so i, I would probably have to say um that's that's probably right now it's probably my thing so i wish i was more prepared for that one that was a good question and the last one i promise on this one what did your 15 year old self imagine you would be doing right now I mean, 15, you know, I think everybody imagined himself, you know, at least from where I was from, probably still playing football. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not too far from still in the game. So uh, I definitely imagine myself playing for a long time. But, um, you know, there's also uh, different avenues and forks in the road. So 
I took I took the the, the next best thing, and us, you know, coaching football, uh, training athletes, um, and you know, just 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 really just trying to enjoy what I do, um, and, and do it to the best of my ability. So that's you know that's you know kind of where I see myself. I knew I saw myself doing something with football, mm-hmm. though. I also one of my things growing up was I wanted to be like, you know, one of those commentators on uh Sunday night football in the NFL or on, you know, some type of college football, be a commentator. But um, I saw myself as a youngin doing that. But, yeah, so, yeah, man, I, you know, I think I'm doing what I need to be doing. Very nice. So, no, your playing days, you could, could you see yourself playing again? Uh, Tough? No, man. I can't. I can, but I'm not. Understandable. I can I can see myself playing, but I, I just I you know I kind of got a passion for some other things mm-hmm. that I want to do um, now you know and that's just it would get in the way of playing football and training and getting back in that type of shape yes, um, and getting back in that type of form would get in the way of kind of some other things that I want to get accomplished and the other things that I want to get accomplished I think will have a much more long lasting. Uh, effect than, than playing football. Uh, and like one of those things is I always wanted to write a book. I always wanted to do something other than be a, just be a, one of those just athlete guys. Right. You know, I always wanted to do something else and be known for something else. That's why the book was such a big deal to me. Uh, that's why doing these podcasts is such a big deal to me. And I appreciate it because I get a chance to like really, you know, talk about this. I get a chance to really talk about other things other than X's and O's. So right. just being a football player, just being a quarterback. I'm also, you know, a son, a brother, uh, and all that good stuff too, man. So um, I, I, I cherish the people who ask questions that's other than, you know, the actual sport. So, I, you know, for that, I man, I, I definitely appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate you as well, and that means a lot. And I think, you know, and <clears throat> I'm trying to branch you know, away from that, not so much just the sports in general, but – you know, I think we as a mindset, and, and me included, you know, growing up, we, we get the sports realm, and and somebody said, uh, the founder of Law Terrain, Dave, he said it really well on the podcast that I listened to, Time to BS Podcast, and he, he said it perfectly. He says, unfortunately, we live in a world where people look at sports as practically their happiness, their, their what fills their void. He says there it's an entertainment purpose. It shouldn't be there to fill your void. If it does, you obviously got to self-evaluate yourself. And, you know, and like I told you prior to the, the, the show, um, you know, with my dad, his health, um, you know, his ups and downs, what he suffered last year. And of course, you know, my wife and I, we lost uh, some good people to, to COVID and, you know, it, it put, it puts into perspective, you know, sports is, it's fun. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, you know, I know I got some Broncos stuff behind me, but at the end of the day, this is, it's yeah. meaningless because you got your, you know, I got three kids and a wife and the family. And at the end of the day, you know, they're going to be right there alongside you. This, you know, this is just temporary. So. Yeah. And I, you know, and try, don't get me wrong, man. I could talk sports and football. Oh, absolutely. All day, absolutely. But, but, you know, I definitely agree with what you just said. Like I, you know, and if you got a, I, I want to get into some more outdoorsy stuff too, man. So if you got any, like uh, anything that I need to look into, man, shoot, shoot it over to me. I, you know, I thought about, 
uh, I, I like fishing. I like fishing all my mm-hmm. life, but uh, you know, I thought about you know, starting to hunt and doing that type of thing. And nice. I, I just, you know, just being outdoors. I just like, honestly, I'm, I'm, I just like to do other things too. So uh, <laughs> I'm at that, you know, three years ago, it wasn't like this. I was, you know, single focus on culture football. So uh, this book actually kind of helped me and COVID that time quarantine and being doing that thing. I'm sure I'm telling you, man, it kind of, yeah, I think it changed the world a little bit. It changed a lot of people uh, for the better. Uh, So, um, you know, you just gotta be appreciative, but yeah, man, I I appreciate you, man. You know, I, I love doing this. I love getting on, man. So if you want to have me again sometime in the near future or a far future, let me know. Hey, I'm going to shoot you once we get done. I'll shoot you my number. And uh, I know during the holidays, um, it will be tough, I know, for everybody. But, yeah, I'd love to have you back on and just talk life. And and you never know. I may talk some football and some sports. But uh, definitely talk live because I'm sure you got all kinds of other stories that I'd love to hear as well. Yeah, I got a whole bunch, man. So one day we can start, we can start getting into them. Hey, I'll power it to you. Everybody, Jalen Whitlow, the author, the author of <laughs> Prepared. Uh, I'll get all the information. I will add it to the YouTube channel description as well as the uh, podcast description once it's released tonight at midnight. So I will get that edited and going. But uh, Mr. Whitlow, Jalen, thank you for coming on. And uh, I absolutely enjoyed having you on. And I definitely will get you back on as soon as possible. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Keep doing what you're doing, man. I, I think it's a great thing. Hey, I appreciate it. Take care, my man. Stay safe out there. You've been listening to the Air Raid Attack podcast. Episode drops here in about three hours from now. Stay tuned. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you all next week.